Welcome to Waldheim MB Church this morning. We're glad that you're joining us. Whether it's your first cup of coffee or your third, whether you're getting all dressed up as if you're going to church or whether you are committed to those pajamas that you've been wearing for the last three weeks, we're just glad that you're joining us this morning. Over the next hour, we're going to be hearing from uh, some great people that are going to be sharing a little bit about their lives. They're going to be sharing some of their musical talent and abilities with us, and we're going to hear John Willems speak tonight or this morning. What we're going to be speaking about this morning, to give you a little bit of a primer, is um, trust. And I know that uh, everybody has trust and trust issues that they have in their life. And I was thinking even about what's happening right now with our situation. If we didn't have trust in the governing authorities to look out for our best interest, could you imagine the chaos that would happen if we had a million people in Saskatchewan just doing what they wanted? It would be anarchy. So trust, whether we acknowledge it or not, is in every aspect of our life. In our close relationships, we have spouses and we have family that we put incredible amount of trust in. And we hold that really dear. And when it's broken, it hurts. And I know that every one of us has gone through a period in time where that trust has been broken and you have felt that pain. This morning, John Williams is going to be talking a little bit about that. Matter of fact, the relationship he's going to be talking about is uh, with Jesus and some of his best friends, if you want to call it that, in which his friends put an incredible amount of trust in him. And in their perspective, in their mind, that trust was broken, that Jesus let them down. Does that sound familiar to you? Have you had a situation in which you felt that uh, you prayed, you asked Jesus uh, to help you in a situation, you put your trust in him, only to feel that maybe he dropped the ball? So we're going to be exploring that this morning. We also have a new segment this morning called Stories from Home, in which we're going to be hearing from Derek and Riley Bergen and what it's like to have a child in the midst of a pandemic and uh, how Jesus has been speaking to them. So we're looking forward to that as well. We also have music from uh, Clarence and Ruth Peters and Bill Johnson. We have uh, Ruth doing a, a children's feature as well. We have a, a great uh, hour packed full of things for you. What we're hoping for by the end of this morning is that you have, uh, you have felt a connection to our community, our church community, and that also that God has uh, spoken into your life. So with that, I'm going to pray for this next hour, and uh, we're going to give it to uh, God and uh, ask for his blessing on it. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that no matter where we are, no matter um, what is happening to us or what's going on in our lives, we know that you're present. And we thank you for being with us. As a community, even though we're separated, we still feel together because you bring us together.
Good morning. I've got a story today to tell you about my friend Charlie. Charlie's grandma lived far away from Charlie, and so when his birthday was coming up, Charlie knew that she would probably send him a present in the mail. Now, many of you know that I work at the post office, and so I often get to see when people get packages in the mail from their grandmas and grandpas. So when Charlie came in to pick up his package, he was very excited. You see, he had written a letter to his grandma, and he had given her some ideas about what she could give him. Charlie loved to play with the bagel. So that was the first thing on his list. He also knew that summer was coming, and he loved to play with his friends outside. One of their favorite things to do was to squirt each other with a water gun. He had a little one, but he wanted a big one. He had lots of other things in he, that he put in his letter too, and he carefully wrote them and sent them to Grandma. Charlie came with his mom to check the mail every day, and he would ask, is there anything for me? Every day, Mommy would say, not yet. Finally, after days of checking, there was a card in his box saying that there was a parcel for him. Charlie could hardly wait to see the size of the package. Would it be Lego? Would it be a water gun? Would it be a remote control car? When he saw the package, he was surprised and a little worried because it didn't look like big enough for anything that he was hoping for. He held it tightly all the way home and was becoming more and more curious about what could be in that package. Once he was home, he was allowed to rip open his package and see what was inside. a package from a present from his grandma and do you know what she had sent a pair of socks he was so disappointed what would he do with a pair of socks they weren't even like his favorite superhero socks or had glow-in-the-dark spiders he was so disappointed he put them away and forgot about them a few days later Charlie decided to go outside and play in the puddles that the melting snow had created. He quickly stuck his bare feet into his boots and headed outside. He hadn't been outside very long when his feet started to get very cold. The icy waters was making his feet so cold and they felt kind of icky in his boots. It was starting to not be much fun. He, this is too cold, I'm not having any fun, he told himself and he headed into the house. His mom met him at the door and said, how come you're quitting so fast? He said, my feet are so cold, it's not even any fun. She said, well, why don't you put, when she saw his cold red toes, she said, why don't you put some socks on and go outside? Oh, my socks are lost or dirty. He said, what about the ones that Grandma gave you? Oh, he had forgot about those. Quickly, Charlie went and found his socks and put them on. They were all warm and soft inside, and he was sure that it was going to make his feet all nice and comfy and warm. Charlie decided that maybe they weren't such a bad gift after all. Sometimes when we pray and ask God for things that we think would be good, we only are disappointed when we receive something totally different. There is good news, though. In the Bible, we are told that God hears our prayers and knows how to give us good gifts and the things that we need. Sort of like... Oh, Charlie's grandma knew that some nice warm socks would be just what Charlie would need.
Sorry about that. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Ruth. My name is David Fair. For many of you, the last time you saw me, I had uh, the gray beard. I was trying to keep up with John. Uh, hopefully, I look a little bit younger this morning, even if I don't feel any younger. Usually, I am an usher here Sunday morning, and I really miss shaking your hand and seeing your smile. Hopefully, we'll be able to gather together again soon and do those things. For scripture reading this morning, I have chosen various verses out of Proverbs. Proverbs has been an integral part of shaping my views and values. <clears throat> I have picked out various verses that meant a lot to me, so you won't be able to follow along. But I would encourage you to read Proverbs for yourself. There is so much good advice in it, and when you see repetition, think to yourself, this is important. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, observing the wicked and the good. The tongue that heals is a tree of life, but a devious tongue breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's discipline, but a person who accepts correction is sensible. Don't let your mouth speak dishonestly, and don't let your lips talk deviously. Don't rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and he will love you. Instruct the wise, and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and he will learn more. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. The son who gathers during summer is prudent. The son who sleeps during harvest is disgraceful. Lying lips are detestable to the Lord, but faithful people are his delight. A wise son responds to his father's discipline but a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. A fool despises his father's discipline, but a person who accepts correction is sensible. A joyful heart makes a face cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened ox with hatred. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but one slow to anger calms Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit 
before a fall. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. To start a conflict is to release a flood, stop the dispute before it breaks out. The one who has knowledge restrains his words, and one who keeps a cool head is a person of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. The one who is lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. A good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Favor is better than silver and gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord makes them all. So I definitely don't have all these things down, but uh, it's something to work on and uh, trust in God that he's in control and do things his way. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Riley Bergen. This is Derek, and this is our uh, brand new son, Brooks Bear Bergen, who we love so much, and he's being good for you guys this morning. Um, we just uh, wanted to share a story. We were asked by a few people to do that, um, so um... <laughs> so we had Brooks a week late at the about the exact same time social distancing became more serious and businesses began changing their practices. Because of this, no family was allowed into the hospital with us. So it was heartbreaking for our families and our parents as they couldn't hold their newest grandchild, or in Riley's case, their first grandchild or nephew. All of this aside, from the beginning, we have been intentional about looking at the positives of the situation and focusing on those. For one, God gifted us this beautiful, healthy baby boy for which we will forever be grateful and amazed with. And this forced isolation has made us rely on each other for strength and to be a team every day, all day. Um, and I love the time I can spend with Riley and Brooks and just focus on them. I'm normally quite tired and stressed from work, or both of us can be, um, but this time has been kind of revitalizing. Though we miss spending time with friends and family, we've probably never chatted more with family because everyone's available and everyone's embraced, embraced the video chat. Um, our friends and members of the church have not let this stop them from generously leaving us meals and gifts on our front step or visiting through the window. And in an effort to keep things positive, we rarely watch the news unless the headlines are stories of hope or unity. But in our quiet moments, we're much more ready to hear God and reflect on Him. And one thing we've been doing more is exercising. So one of us will go for a run while the other stays home with Brooks. And that's just time alone with God every day that I never thought I had time for before. Um, another thing is learning. I love watching documentaries on history and nature. Riley says it's the most teachery thing that I do. Um, but the mysteries of our planet is such a spiritual thing for me. And I've had time to think about God's genius and power as I rock the baby to sleep at two in the morning. For Riley's part, we have another reason to do her favorite thing, which is go for walks. 
even if our stroller can't handle the terrain on our usual spot just yet. Um, so globally, it's been a humbling experience where we have to rely on God and trust that he has a plan in all of this. For a society built on doing everything in the most efficient and productive way, never wasting daylight, I believe this has been a trying time for everyone. Infinitely more so for those who have been affected personally, health-wise, or with their livelihood. Um, to God, everyone's difficulties and struggles are legitimate and worth bringing to Him. Something that I've often struggled with and trying to work on. But personally, everything changes when you become a parent. Suddenly, everything you see and experience is through a new lens. Our new worldview has COVID in the shadow of our real focus, which is Brooks. And listening to someone read a passage of the Bible and give a simple prayer of thanks can move us to tears. And all you want to do is pray for God's plan for your kid, that he'll grow up to be a good person who helps those in need and knows God. Um, we just want to thank everybody for your support, and um, we look forward to raising him around um, you guys. Thank you, Bergen family. Really appreciate uh, people such as yourself sharing with us about what God's doing in your life right now. Uh, we are actually starting something new here because of the, our, our current life situation in which we don't get to sit down beside each other and hear about uh, what's going on in your life. We are starting um, uh, a segment called Stories from Home. And what that is, is we want to hear from you, wherever you are, whether uh, you know it's a, it's a song that you want to share with us, whether it's just a, uh, uh, something that's happened in, in your life in which God has revealed something to you, or you have, uh, you've experienced his goodness in this time, or something that's uh, heavy on your heart, we want to hear from you. So we're calling it Stories from Home, and you can record in the comfort of your home, uh, record the content and then you can send it to us uh, here at uh, WMBC. Our email is on our website uh, so check that out and you can email and say I would like to uh, submit something for Sunday morning and uh, we'll give you instructions on how to get that content to us. Uh, I think that's a great way at this time to keep sharing and keep feeling connected with the greater family. Um, also, uh, on the topic of emails, if you're not getting the emails during the week that have our, our uh, bulletin, the information that we send out to our church family, if you're not receiving that, please uh, visit our website and go to that email address again and, uh, and let us know so that we can add you to our email list. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there with links uh, to every Sunday morning uh, service. Uh, and lastly, uh, even though uh, we don't have people coming in in the mornings, uh, we still function as a church and we still have uh, ministries and things that we're trying to keep going and we would like to uh, just make it known that um, there's still a need for uh, us to continue to donate to keep the church's functions going. And you can do that in a few different ways. You could uh, mail 
a check to the church directly again that address is on our website you can set up an e transfer and those instructions can be done if you wanted to email the church and ask how to do that and we'll make sure that that's all done properly so to continue on the morning we have John Willems about to come speak I just want to pray at this moment for our church family and for John as well Lord God I thank you for the many blessings that you've given us I thank you that even in this time when things are hard that we still live in a great province in a great country and we still have benefits and and the good things that we sometimes take for granted so I just want to thank you for all those things as we continue on this morning I want to pray for John and the words that he's about to speak may they we receive them well and take him to heart and learn a little bit more about you and may you show us or reveal a little bit about ourselves so that we can continue to grow give all these things in to you in your name thank you Lord amen well this morning when I was walking to the church I made a promise that I need to fulfill and here is the fulfillment of a promise I made and you can return my gesture although I will not see it how you doing Bill this morning I want to talk about one of the most painful experiences that we face how do we respond when we experience God in a way that we have not been taught about or taught to expect about God it seems that at times God seems so unfair he seems silent from our experience hidden and and what do you do when you pray and you pray and you pray about something and there's no apparent answer forthcoming has your view of God been changed through difficult circumstances you know once there was a window in your heart that you could see God clearly the window was clear it was not obstructed with anything and your view of God was crisp but suddenly the the glass was cracked by a pebble of pain perhaps the pebble struck in your childhood maybe your parents abandoned you maybe they abused you as a parent you may have gotten a phone call from somebody that you really loved that has in an accident and you asked why and perhaps you came home one day and you found a letter on the kitchen table from your spouse saying that they no longer loved you maybe you heard a frightening diagnosis from the doctor maybe you didn't make the sports team or maybe you felt betrayed by your good friend maybe COVID-19 has you lonely cooped up not being able to get out whatever that pebble took the result was always the same same your window was shattered suddenly it was hard to see God 
And the view that you saw was now blurred and distorted. Confusion set in. God would not allow something like this to happen, would he? We ask. Maybe these words are hard for some of you to identify with. Maybe you've never had to redefine or refocus your view of God. But most of us, at some point in our life, have had to look at God through a glass darkly. We know what it feels like to be disappointed with God. And some of us are honest enough to admit it. At times we have looked for him and looked, but we did not find him. And so why does God sometimes disappoint those who love and trust him? If you have ever felt this way, and if you can identify with the kinds of things that I'm saying, the story that we're going to read from the Gospel of John is for you. Where did we leave Jesus before Easter? Well, there was a couple of people that wanted to stone Jesus and possibly his disciples. They even tried to seize him, but somehow, I don't know how, but Jesus escaped. And he left for the Jordan River to spend a couple of days there. Now, the Jordan River was about a day walk away. So now we want to read the text. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is a story of four friends. There's Jesus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary is the identified as the woman who identified or anointed Jesus' feet with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, this event actually took place in the future. It hadn't happened yet, but John makes reference of that experience so that we could identify which Mary Jesus was talking about because there were a number of Marys mentioned in the New Testament. Martha was the older sister a bit more outgoing and forthright than her sister Mary. And so Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus had this very special bond. They were good friends. They had a deep affection for one another. Now think of the best friends that you have. You know, the ones that you have vacationed with, or, or maybe the ones that you are so lonely for, especially now when you can't go out for coffee and you would just love to go out with those special friends and have an intimate conversation. This is how these four felt about each other. And this is a beautiful picture of a home that is filled with love. It was welcome haven for our Lord during his troubled ministry. Remember that Jesus had left Jerusalem and, and he had gone to the Jordan River. He'd gone to the place where John the Baptist was carrying out his ministry. And it was here that Jesus received word that his dear friend Lazarus 
was sick. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. So, what do you think of Jesus' response? Jesus was down by the river. And by the time word reached Jesus, Lazarus was probably dead already. It took one day for the message to travel to Bethany, and Jesus delayed two days, and it took one day for him to travel back to Bethany. And so by the time he arrived back to where Mary and Martha were, Lazarus had been dead for four days. It almost seems that Jesus, you know, his attitude was a bit casual, don't you think? The verses we read did say that Jesus loved Lazarus, yet he seemed so indifferent to the bad news that he just received. The situation was serious. Lazarus was critically ill. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have hardly been notified. And, and his response seemed like some kind of an offhanded comment we make some days. Oh, he won't die. Now, if you telephone me to say that a member of your family, one of my close friends, was critically injured and taken to the hospital, and I responded like Jesus to you, what would you think of me? Yet Jesus did care. You see, there was a very good reason for Jesus to act the way he did. It was for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. We need to always remember, my friends, that sickness can glorify God. You know, there are some people, and I've met some people, who, who say that God's will for Christians is for them never to be sick. And many desperately ill people are made even more miserable by this torment of guilt and by the notion that somehow they did something wrong in life, some sin, and so now they were sick. They can't uncover the sin. They don't know what it was. And, and if they could point to it, they confess it to God and they continue to be sick. And so they probably think that God hasn't forgiven them, which we know isn't the case. Or they may feel that their sickness is their is a result of their inability to believe that God could actually heal them. And some of us listening this morning at times struggle with depression. And we have to deal with those people whose immediate response is to say, well, you need to examine your life for that sin that causes your depression, which may not be the case. Many never take the position that all sickness is my fault. Some always take that position. The sickness Lazarus was suffering from will end in God's glory and greater manifestation of the majesty and the power of God. But first, the plot thickens. The real shocker comes in verses 5 and 6 where we read, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister 
and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. You know, every time I read this, I ask myself, Jesus, how could you delay? Now, I can recognize that he already knew that Lazarus was dead. But what about Mary and Martha? Shouldn't have he hurried to Bethany to comfort them? And why didn't Jesus just simply drop everything that he was doing and go immediately to his real precious friends? Well, John tells us why. He says he didn't go because he loved them. Now, this is hard to take, and it is a bit confusing. Have you ever gone to God for help that you felt you desperately needed, and you laid it out before God in the best way you knew how, and you pleaded with God, and nothing happened? The heavens were completely silent. There was no word at all. And the silence is disturbing. Has that ever happened to you? I believe the point to be made here is that our Lord's delays don't necessarily mean denial. He often delays because he loves us, because he knows that there are things to be done in us that can only be accomplished through delay. Remember Job of the Old Testament? He didn't have the box seat we have to the events going on in heaven that generated his suffering, because we've read the whole story. Uh, he suffered and he waited while God delayed, but in the end, listen to what he said. He said, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. God's delays strengthened his faith. They made him into a man of God that was a terrific example. Now, I have experienced that loneliness and loss and pain are the disciplines that draw me into the very heart of God. They enlarge my capacity for him. They sharpen my focus that I have. And loneliness and loss and pain temper our lives so that we're tougher. But they also tenderize us so that we're softer and sweeter and easier to get along with and better able to understand and help others. And we become more empathetic and sympathetic with other people who also have weakness and pain. Through the disciplines of God, we become wounded healers. Delay doesn't hurt. It helps. Delay is not due to God's lack of affection for us. Delay comes because God loves us. And delay is good for us. It leads us on in our path toward God, resulting in this clear vision of his power and majesty. And in the dark nights of the soul, they have to be seized put to use, or we miss something of his ultimate intent for us. 
An understanding of the purposes behind delays will never take away the pain. But my friends, it takes away our perplexity. Now I have to admit, this is hard. I've experienced delay and I don't like it one bit. And I wonder what the reaction was in Bethany when the messenger returned with word that Jesus had said, ah, this illness isn't going to be unto death. Well, Lazarus was already dead. Mary and Martha would not only be grieving over the loss of their brother, now they had to wonder about what Jesus was talking about. And so this must have clouded their minds like nothing else that they had experienced so far and driven their hearts to despair. But then Jesus acts. And part of me says, oh good, Jesus is going to do something. But once again, Jesus acts in this perplexing way. Verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, well, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Remember a few days earlier, Jesus had fled Jerusalem because the Jews planned to arrest him and put him to death by stoning. The disciples were relieved to get out of the city and go down to the riverbank. At any moment, all of them could have been dragged back to Jerusalem by the authorities and put to death. And so they were happy to get out into the sticks and be by the river for a while. But now Jesus interrupts what they were doing and said, well, let's go back. Back to Judea where his life and also his disciples' lives would be in danger. The disciples, however, firmly believed that for his sake and theirs, it would be most imprudent for them to go back to Jerusalem. But Jesus was following the Father's will. He deliberately chose Judea as his destination because the issue at hand was way bigger than what was going on in Bethany. The greater issue was his ultimate mission, and that was crucifixion. This was the event that would show God's glory and his own to Israel. Nothing and matter. What happened at Bethany was a means to an end, not the end in itself. Let's continue reading. Verse 9. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After this he said, He went to them to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus, been Jesus had been talking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. 
Well, here Jesus says that death is like going to sleep. Now, sometimes we think of death as the ultimate tragedy, the final farewell. And it's sad. You know, when our children were small, they would often fall asleep in the car if we arrived late at home. And it usually was my job to carry them up, one by one, up into their bedrooms. The next day, they weren't where they were when they fell asleep. They fell asleep in the car, but woke up in a safe place in their bed, tucked away. Well, death is like that. When you wake, you will not be where you once were. You will be in a place of security and safety, beauty and rest. And this is how Jesus describes death. But the disciples missed the point. So Jesus had to explain to them, Lazarus was dead. Now, these words seem a little harsh to us, and so they were. We tend to like to use euphemisms instead of saying that somebody is dead. How much better to think of death as Jesus first put it? You know, you go to sleep in your house and you wake up in mine. What's not to like about that? That's something to get excited about. And so Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. The point that Jesus is making is that this seeming tragedy was for their sake so that they might believe. Jesus delayed his going both for the disciples and for Mary and Martha's sake in order that their faith would be actually strengthened. Oh, but they didn't understand it. They must have been filled with doubt and questions because of it. It was better for them to wait through the anxious hours until God would do his full and complete work. Now this is the lesson of these verses. You know, my friends, at times I have wondered about what God was doing in my life. You know, there have been times when things got so bad, I couldn't envision how could they ever get worse? And then they did. I cried out to God. I walked around. I read. I cried out to God. And he didn't seem to hear. And at the point when I was doing this, it seemed like he didn't even care about me. You know, my friends, sometimes God seems to be doing things in the oddest way. It's hard to believe that in the darkest hour that I was facing, God actually knew what I was going through, and he knew what was going to happen, and he knew what he was going to do in my life. I finally had to come to the place of rest where I could rest in the knowledge that God was at work in my life and he could do his good pleasure in my life. And I came to understand that he was increasing my faith in him. He was building my character. And he was going to work in my world 
And I knew that in theory, but when I was experiencing it, it was dark. See, it was hard to believe. It was hard to be patient and wait during those times. But in my heart, I knew that God was doing the right thing and that He was right, and I would have to wait. You see, what God was doing in my situation was looking at the total picture. And he could see dimensions into my problems that I was facing that I couldn't see. And he was looking at the possibilities for my life that I, wasn't even, I couldn't even conceive of. And sometimes when things look at their very worst, in life's darkest hour, that's when God begins to work and his triumph becomes evident. The greatest hour of tragedy in Christ's life was his triumph. But the disciples went away from the cross in despair, not knowing that the world was just being saved through his death. Now, I can identify with Thomas. I like Thomas. He said, let us go that we would die with him. I've often wondered, how did he say that? And I kind of think it, it might have gone like this. Well, oh, let's also go that we may die with him. Kind of sounds like Eeyore of Winnie the Pooh fame. You know, we have to admire his courage, if not his faith. You know, friends, I can't understand God's delays in some cases. And sometimes I'm disappointed with God, but I know this, that he will never, ever forsake me. Because that's what God's word says, and what God's word says is true. I know that he will never leave me in the lurch. He loves me. He seeks only the best for me so that I can trust him no matter how dark the night or how desperate the situation is. That God is real is true. We know that. That God loves us. We know that. That God is interested in a bigger picture than we can see? Yes. He is more interested in us, calling us to the higher ground the stuff of our faith is made of than just by answering our prayers. There's so much more to life than just this. And so you may walk through a long, dark valley, or maybe he will be carrying you through that dark valley. And sometimes the burden is heavy, yes. But God is equipping you, and he still is equipping you, building your faith, and calling you ever so sweetly, ever so quietly, ever so lovingly, and he says, come home into my care. Rest in my care. Rest in your grief. Rest in your trials. Rest in your hard situation, because right next door is hope. And that hope never, ever disappoints. Never. Not once.
we have a hope that builds faith. And faith is our communion with the everlasting, ever-loving God. How marvelous for us that we can enter into that relationship with God. Don't waste any experience to deepen your relationship with God. And let your intimacy grow. Your weight in every and each situation always has a purpose. And in knowing God, we don't always need to know why, but always who. Let's pray. My friends, reach out your hands to God. May God turn your dark nights into a glorious sunrise. My friends, his love for you never fails. And so walk boldly into your future knowing this. God is already there and he loves you. Enjoy the rest of God and the rest of your life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.